you never know what's going to happen and what people are thinking after you go on TV like this. We had one customer who said, ouch, that was hard to watch, but I love my boards and I ride them all over the country and you guys are doing great, so just keep going. It was hard to get some pity email, but at the same time, it was really sweet to get that support. And then it was followed up by one more. Yeah, this dude from Manitoba sent an email through our contact page on our website. Oh my God, you need to get Mandy into more of your ads. She's absolutely gorgeous. Of course, you know this, Ryan, because you're married, but honestly, she needs to be in more stuff online. It was pretty hilarious. Best email we've ever got. It's been an interesting <laughs> ride. I'm Peter McCulley. Mandy and Ryan Johnson of White Rock recently appeared on the CBC television show Dragon's Den, looking for a dragon to invest in their business. See God's paddleboards. We'll talk to the couple about their business as well as their Dragon's Den experience on this edition of Today in BC. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today, Mandy and Ryan. Thank you for having yeah. us. We it's love doing interviews. There's so much to unpack after that experience that it was a really nice invitation for you to maybe help us debrief after that. Yeah. <laughs> five months of buildup going on the show and waiting for five months. Everyone's like, can you tell me? Can you tell me about the show? Did you get a deal? Did you do this? And we're like, you'll have to wait till sometime next year. So that's <laughs> how long the period of time was from the time that you taped the Dragon's Den show to the time that it aired? The week of May 25th, we were in Toronto, and May 25th is when we filmed. They tell you, we'll let you know two weeks before your episode, and it will be sometime between October and February. You pitched the Dragons to take on a partner that can help you grow the paddleboard business. I understand up until about seven years ago, you weren't even in the paddleboard business. You were living in Alberta. We're from Southern Alberta, from Lethbridge, Alberta, and we lived in Regina, Saskatchewan for two years prior. So when we came out to the coast, that was like, holy cow, we've made it. We can go out on the ocean <laughs> every day and it's just like a really beautiful place to be. And so stand-up paddleboarding was it. That's what we wanted to do every single day. What were you doing before you get in the paddleboard business? I used to commission wastewater treatment plants. I worked for a construction company, Acon Construction. They're a pretty good size, based out of Toronto. We would build these facilities for municipalities. And then when the construction phase was done, I would make the plan to turn it on for the first time. And then once the plan was approved, then I would execute said plan. And I did that for almost 15 years. And that's what actually brought us out to the coast. I was on a project on NSS Island for five years. Mandy, what did you do? I was in agriculture research, making new varieties of wheat and barley. Really, I think about is making stand-up paddleboards so much different than turning on poo plants and making new varieties of wheat. But I think what it really comes down to is Ryan is really good at making things work. And I'm really good at asking questions like, why are things this way and how can we make them better? You know, the skills transfer. How did you two meet? <laughs> we just had like similar friends coming out of high school. We didn't go to high school together, but I never went to university, but Mandy did. And I had a lot of the same friends. We'd bump into each other or whatever around Lethbridge where, we're, where we lived. And then we decided to start dating one day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like living that parallel life. 
where you've got everything in common. And then one day the paths just cross at the right time. I had a huge crush on Mandy for a number of years, unbeknownst to anybody. Most of all, Mandy. <laughs> I, I didn't know her well enough that I could seek her out as somebody looking for somebody to date. But yeah, our paths crossed a couple of times here and there. And then one day they crossed and we went for drinks and had some dinners and had similar interests. And yeah, yeah. the cincher for me was I was Ryan. living in Ascus. Yeah, well, that helped. <laughs> yeah, the beautiful place to go visit you. Ryan invited my friend and I to go for a park workout where he'd bring all the exercise equipment to the playground and, and do a big workout there. He actually waited there for my friend and I for an hour and a half because mm. we were really lagging. It was more like two and a half hours. <laughs> Back in our younger pre-kid days, we spent a lot of time on fitness. My friends and I used to do some strongman type stuff with flipping tires and throwing things and whatever. And we would do that at the playground on the weekends. Mandy and her friend joined us one day and my good friend Paul was being my wingman slash he's always been my exercise partner. Him and I stuck it out for almost three hours while we didn't know, but Mandy and her friend were like going for ice cream and doing like whatever. And they're like, oh, I suppose I said I'd be there at one. It's four. We should probably head over. Yeah, when do you find someone worth waiting for? It is important to have the ice cream and then go and exercise, not the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mandy, I read somewhere that you said the paddleboard business started by accident. When we moved out here, I didn't need to work. I'm not really the type to just sit around. So we wanted to paddleboard on the ocean. We're living out here and it's beautiful and it's what we want to do with our two little kids. We just wanted to be out on the water every day as a family, but we couldn't find any board that we really wanted. Everything was just really boring looking or didn't have good performance. We started looking at, can we just make one that's really cool? We started looking for artists and met Luke McBain, who is just phenomenal as a human being and a friend now, but he's actually a professor at Emily Carr University. And he did our first composite board for us. When we started telling people what we're up to, everyone wanted one. So or they thought we were nuts. Or they thought we were nuts. Yeah, it was two extremes. So we just ordered some more and then, oh, let's try a different kind, a different shape, more stable, more touring. Different materials, different yeah. build styles, just like constantly improving. We would get like a batch and then think, well, this could be better or maybe this could be better. Or the way they build this seems strange. Maybe we can improve that. And after a number of years, we finally got to a point where we're like, we make the best paddle boards in the world, I'm pretty sure, at this point. <laughs> when we were learning how to do it, all the intricacies that go into making a paddle board, there was a couple where was, I'm not sure if I'm proud of this one. Let's try it again and, and do something better. And then eventually we got to the point where we're like, okay, this is something that we're now proud of. That's when we really started making a go of it, I would say. We were selling them out of our garage. So we're in White Rock and we would have people drive on like a Sunday afternoon from North Van and show up in front of our house and be like, what? I thought this was a paddleboard store. And we'd be like getting our kids in the car to like go take the dog for a walk or something like that. Like, no, but while I get the kids in the car, Mandy can show you some boards in the garage. Yeah, so. honestly, it's that personal experience though, where I came from also a personal training background. That's what I did in Regina. Just taking a look at who's showing up at our garage and figuring out what is the board that they need. 
and having them all, taking them down to the beach, giving them a lesson and seeing like, how can we better serve these people? Make a longer board, a wider board, a faster board. It's really what built us, I think, is not just what's going to sell good, but how can we really make the best board for who I see standing in front of me? Not just that, it was like the sport of paddleboarding has like exponentially grown since 2018 when we started. But we saw right away when we moved to White Rock, we would go paddleboarding and there would be like maybe one person on a gorgeous glassy Saturday in the middle of July paddleboarding. And we just thought it was so strange that nobody was taking advantage. And so not just building really great boards, but becoming ambassadors for the sport was important for us. And so rather than just selling boards, we were selling the idea of sports and then helping people navigate all the different things that are out there, how to be safe, how to paddle, what to look for. And Mandy, you decided to pitch the Dragons as a surprise for Ryan. Did you previously talk about approaching Dragons Den or any yeah, other investors? Sure, sure did. This is a funny story, Peter. We don't have a big background in business, right? Like, our parents, our family. I would say we have no background in business. Yeah, like none. <laughs> Some folks who come from Harvard families and business families, they sit down at the dinner table and, and ask their rich uncle for a loan and for some advice. When we sit at the dinner table, my dad would always say, why don't you go on Dragon's Den? They're business people. They'll give you the money and all the expertise you need. And it was this thing he always wanted. So Ryan was in Mexico with the models doing the photo shoot. With my mother. She's such a darling to come along with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was on the phone with my dad. And again, he's giving me this advice. You need to go on Dragon's Den. And I said, okay, dad, I, I promise I'll audition for Dragon's Den. And so I looked it up and said, holy cow, if I don't do it tomorrow, I miss the deadline. So I just set up the webcam in our sup shop here and came in on the weekend with the kids and pitched virtually and got an email and they loved it and they wanted us on the show. So I said, hey, Ryan, I, I did this thing. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're off in Mexico. It's all good. I had never actually watched a full episode of Dragon's Den before we were going on the show. Yeah, where I love it. And so watching Dragon's Den, there's so many products on there I never knew about before. It's such a good commercial for it. And seeing the dragons, whether they're favorable to the product or they're like, this is junk. You don't have a business here. It really does leave a really lasting impression in your mind. I love the show. I do too. I've actually never missed one. I've watched it from the first episode oh, right through. I've, and I've watched a few reruns. What's it like standing in front of the dragons? It probably would be for me the time my antiperspirant would give it up. It's nerve wracking. The buildup is huge. We had to be there at 7 a.m. Toronto time, which is three hours ahead here. So we flew in two nights before to try and get acclimated to the time change. And so we had to be up basically at 2.30 a.m. White Rock time to get ready to be there at 7 because we were scheduled to be the first ones on. And then when we got there, they're like, wow, we're actually going to do this one. And maybe you'll be second. And then they're like, maybe you'll be third, fourth. <laughs> before you know it, we were there till almost lunchtime before we went on. And so 
you mentally prepare for this thing. We are redoing our pitch over and over and over again. We were writing all of our numbers down in my book because I memorized my writing. And, and so the buildup is immense. It would have been nice to just get in there and get it done. Just like when you have to say a speech in elementary school, being the first kid is always the best because then you're done, you sit back and relax. But so we were there for four and a half, five hours before we went on. When we were in the back waiting room, at one point, Ryan took my coffee out of my hand and he said, you look like you've had enough coffee. So we go out there and like my leg is shaking like someone's petting me in the right spot on my belly and I have to like mentally tell my calf and my ankle to stop moving. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm supposed to be talking to these people. It was pretty nerve wracking. And there's 30 million cameras in there and the lights in your face and the whole set is quite the thing. And there's like a million people like off camera just looking. Not only are you asking for almost a million dollars to these quasi superstars, but you're doing it in front of this huge audience with a bunch of cameras and lights pointed at you. And I get stage fright even just doing our regular broadcasts just yeah. in front of the webcam. If you saw us, the, when we first started doing board introductions, we make YouTube videos every year and we introduce the board and we talk about it and stuff. The very first ones we did, if you saw some of those to like where we are now, our camera presence is pretty different. First ones are a little brutal. Yeah, we just don't know where to look or what to do or whatever. And so multiply that by a thousand and that's what it's like being on Dragon's Den. The CBC studio was massive. It's on the 10th floor of a building. The ceilings are like 35 feet high. And there's these doors that like you could fit a locomotive through. That's a whole big thing. There's usually a lesson to be learned from the dragons when they're peppering you with questions, and they are peppering you with questions. What lessons do you think you learned from your Dragon's Den experience in the terms of business, and did they influence your business strategy moving forward? Honestly, I think what we learned was that we're doing a pretty good job, which was honestly surprising and flattering, that they didn't really have much to say that was cutting us down or anything that you know, was surprising to us. Michelle actually is big into e-commerce. We were there for about an hour. There was a lot discussed that didn't make it onto camera. Including and, most of our pitch. Yeah, that's true. But she thought that our marketing is going really good. Robert said, you know more about paddle boards than I'll ever know. So I can't help you there. Arlene told us, that we're doing really good as a lifestyle business, which is something she says to everyone. Mm -hmm. They all have their own lines. But she said we're doing a great job and it just isn't scalable enough for her. And we don't want to become this huge monster company just pumping out cheap boards for profit that's never interested us. The questions that did make it onto the show were about our inventory and lead time. So that was actually really valuable advice to take another look at. And honestly, they asked us, like, why don't you engage with the BDC, which this is going to make me sound dumb. But up until then, I didn't know what the BDC even was. It's like a government-backed bank just for small business. Since then, we've engaged with BDC and we're doing a digital adoption program that's funded by a government grant. We do a lot of digital stuff already, but they help you bring it all together and give you like a, a roadmap to execute how you use digital software in your business. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one thing that's been helpful. And they also do funding. I wouldn't say it's the most reasonable funding ever, but it's not bad. And they try to help businesses with cash flow and stuff like that. So it's been a pretty great resource that 
I think if we, we might have found it by accident, but we just weren't really looking. Yeah, even some of these really basic lessons, having someone in your corner who understands business can point out the most basic things the same way I can see someone on a paddleboard and know that they've got their fin in backwards or their board is underinflated or their paddle is too short or long. Things that seem really obvious to some people aren't always obvious to others. When Today in BC continues, Mandy and Ryan Johnson talk about the materials and designs of Sea God's paddleboards. Buying a home is an important milestone. Find the right realtor and the right listings for your needs at todayshomebc.com. Powered by Black Press Media. With easy-to-use search filters and direct links to realtors and their websites, you'll get all the information you need to find your perfect home. Search hundreds of local listings and get access to the top real estate professionals to help you find your perfect property. Get started now at todayshomebc.com. I'm Peter McCulley. Today in BC is a Black Press Media podcast. As you talked about on your Dragon's Den pitch, the art is very important to the paddle boards. It sets you apart from your competitors. How do you choose the artists and what are you looking for? This is by far the most interesting and fun part of my job is I really think about what board we're going to put it on and like how you want to feel when you're on that paddleboard. And it's different whether you're on the yoga board, which is very chill versus like a touring board where you're really focused on adventure. So we go with the feel and then also some kind of theme then I, I just start searching on the internet and it takes me down all kinds of rabbit holes. And the biggest one we got so far is Drew Brophy, the raddest surfboard and skateboard artist. We give the idea, we have the discussion about what is the board, what's the feel, what's the theme. We do an okay with the main color palette and then we just let him go. And we say, we want it to really fit your portfolio. You do your thing and hands off the wheel. And I haven't been disappointed yet. The art that comes out is just beautiful. Ryan, tell me about your favorite piece of artwork. I believe it tells the story of White Rock. I'm going to tell you the whole story of why it's my favorite piece as well. Because when we first started, the artists that we worked with were pretty much in the digital realm. For me personally, there isn't a really a difference between artists, ones that work only in the digital, and there's ones that only work in actual real life media, like canvas and paint and stuff like that. And a lot of people, I think when they look at art, they draw a line between this person's actually a painter, that might be a real artist, and digital design is siloed into this kind of pseudo artist thing, I think, for a lot of folks. And we never felt that way. And Luke McBain is one of my favorite artists and he's done a lot of digital stuff for us and it's all terrific. We never actually owned the physical art piece up until we got the Spirit of White Rock, which is the first canvas we actually had. As we've been finding different artists, we've gone into the side of things where artists work in the physical space and also the digital space. And so now as part of all of the artists that we work with, we typically request the original piece if one exists. Our showroom is like half shop, half art gallery at this point. But the spirit of White Rock, it was Mark Anthony Jacobson. He's an Anishinaabe artist that lives near Nelson. It's actually across Kootenai Lake from Nelson, a little tiny bay. 
It was the first canvas we ever actually owned. The fact that it's an original canvas by an artist as well known as Mark Anthony Jacobson, it was just like emotional to hold it in real life. To get to that piece, it tells the story of White Rock, which is, it's called The Legend of White Rock. It's a Cowichan legend of why the White Rock exists and the sort of the start of the Half Moon tribe, which is a Semiamu tribe. And their tribe is based out of the Semiamu Bay, which is where White Rock is. And so if you've never been to White Rock, there's this massive boulder. It's a glacial erratic. It just sits on the beach there, has no earthly reason to be there from just looking around. And the short version of the legend is basically a sea god's son fell in love with a chief's daughter. And this is the Cowichan tribe on the island. Their love was foreboden. And so the sea god's son picks up a giant rock, throws it into the air and says, wherever this rock will land, that's where we'll make our new life. That's the story of the White Rock and why it's there. And then their new life was the Semiamu tribe. So that's what that painting tries to depict. And when we started Sea Gods, we read that legend just happenstancely, but it was a powerful thing to read for us. Fast forward to starting this brand, that legend, that's why we're Sea Gods. Most people just go right to Poseidon. And so that's why our logo is Poseidon, because it's more recognizable. But whenever we have the opportunity to tell why we're called Sea Gods, that's the story we actually tell. We had been looking for an Aboriginal artist to make this piece for years. We didn't get it until our fifth year, and we just did not find the right artist. I was walking the kids down Marine Drive, and we went into Angel's Ice Cream. And I said, hold on, who did these paintings on the wall here? This is amazing. Mark Anthony Jacobson's name is Rainbow Thunderbird because he paints with all the colors of the rainbow. So I reached out to him because I saw this beautiful painting in an ice cream shop. Turns out Mark is actually very well known, especially amongst folks who are in the indigenous space when it comes to art. And he apprenticed under Norval Morisot, who is pretty much the first famous Indigenous artist on a world scale. He was big in Hollywood. He has a lot of pieces out there. So a lot of folks that know Norville also know Mark Anthony Jacobson. It was very cool working with Mark. We also got educated a lot on some of the struggles that Indigenous people have, which is also a really cool experience because it took us almost a year of long evening conversations with Mark and he doesn't hold anything back. He's very raw. So a lot of emotion went into that painting. And then when we finally held it in my hands for the first time, I cried. <laughs> I can't believe we we're going to put this on a paddleboard. Yeah, we almost didn't get it because no. when it came time in Mark's schedule to work on our piece, that's when they found the children's graves. Yeah. And so he struggled with that quite a bit. You mentioned when you were on Dragon's Den that the appeal of the boards is worldwide. You're shipping them everywhere. Where are you shipping them? What's the furthest afoot you've shipped a board so far? Bahrain, I think. Yeah. Probably. Bahrain is close to United Arab Emirates. Yeah. We ship them like lots all over North America. We have a warehouse in Sydney, Australia. And that's why on the show I said, Robert, I'm here for you. He's also on Shark Tank Australia. And I've seen videos of him cruising around on these super yachts. And I was like, what a no-brainer to bring in Robert. He's got the connections. Our problem is seasonality. He's going to take this board down to Australia, show these super yacht folk. 
every time we sell some board to somewhere really cool, I put a little pin and it's getting full. So lots to Spain, lots to the UK. We actually, I think, have cornered the market in Inuvik. We sold like four boards to Tuktoyaktuk. That happened early on. And we're, we still talk about, we need to make these shirts that say we own the Tuktoyaktuk paddleboard market. I'm pretty <laughs> sure seven people that live there have a Sea God board. How many staff do you have creating uh, Sea Gods paddleboards? Including Mandy and I, there's four of us in Canada. And then we have two staff in China where our manufacturing is. And we have a long-standing relationship with a pretty great factory. And we actually have a subsidiary in China that manages our quality. There's six of us. And then we contract the actual making of the paddleboards out to staff that we handpick, but they don't work directly for us. So we have our team there and I'm on the video chats all night during production. I know our team over there. Those men and women are honestly masters. And people will email us or phone us or go in the chat on our website and sometimes they'll ask the same question a few different places, maybe thinking they'll get a different answer. And I'm like, no, Brian, it's still me. And they send an email to info.cgods.ca and then Mandy answers it. And then they'll phone the phone number on our website and it's Mandy. I think some people think we're this massive company, but we are definitely anything but. Two of the dragons did mention that they really liked your marketing and they liked your website. You guys are really dialed in when it comes to marketing your business online. Lots of videos. The website is great, easy to navigate. And you even have an interactive online experience, a shopping channel feel. So every Wednesday at four o'clock, we do a live broadcast that if you can watch it through our website. So if you have shop app on your phone, you can open it and you have access to every store that Shopify hosts, millions of them. And so you can search for a type of product, I want to buy bathing suits, or I want to buy paddle boards in our case, or I want to buy flashlights. It'll pull up the Shopify stores that sell those things. You can follow your favorite stores within the shop app. So if you follow Sea Gods, you can go to our shop app page that says live shopping every Wednesday at four o'clock Pacific time. If you follow us, when we go live, you get a shop app ping on your phone saying, hey, Sea Gods stand up paddle boards is live. And then you open your phone, and you'll see us talking about our brand and our boards that you watch right on your phone. You can ask questions. If you want to buy something, you can see our whole catalog. We do deals on the shopping broadcast. And a lot of customers who have already owned boards will dial in and ask us questions. What do you think about this? Or, hey, how should I store this? And we answer them live right then and there. And it's a really cool way to connect with customers and connect with people who are interested that have a lot of questions. And every now and then we sell a board on it. Lots of times we don't. It's like a video podcast at this point. So we talk about safety some days or we'll talk about... Oh, the fashion know. one. Yeah, we did fashion, like what to wear to safely paddle in the fall. All kinds of ideas. We did a live broadcast on one of our floating docks from a lake in the Fraser Valley there. We took the whole staff camping for a weekend. And then we had one dock set up with cameras and computers and a table. And then we had another dock set up with Manny and I standing on it talking about our boards and then on the dry land dock, we had Starlink satellite set up so we could actually connect. So it's been a fun way to spread awareness and also spread the stoke. That's what we always say, get people stoked on paddleboarding. After pitching the dragons in the den, do you have any advice for those who may have watched the show at some time thinking, I could do that? Business is really hard and it's lonely. The dragon's den 
they romanticize That's entrepreneurship. Yeah. And there's there's nothing romantic about it. It's hard. It's lonely. Everybody wants to doubt you. And it's a slog. And Mandy and I, we live and breathe sea gods at this point, but we're also married. Sometimes it's hard to make that separation, but it is absolutely worth it. Personally, it's really fulfilling and it's really challenging. When you are an entrepreneur with some sort of success, I like to think we're successful enough that we have a fridge full of food and we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. But we're not driving fancy cars or anything like that. But we get to take our kids to school every morning and I get to pick them up at 2.30 every day. I wouldn't trade that for a million dollars. That's one thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't talk about as much. And I think sea gods could probably maybe be a little bit bigger or make a little bit more money if I didn't do those things. But having the freedom to be able to do that kind of stuff is really important to me. I think this is why we didn't get the deal on Dragon's Den. A lot of our value proposition was we don't just make the best paddle boards and make them really pretty. We also do a lot to promote the sport and support the customers with really good service. We're not driven by the bottom dollar. A lot of people would say that we should be. Wes, he said, it sounds like what you're looking for is a time commitment from us. Absolutely, that's what we wanted. We wanted a mentor. They didn't sugarcoat it. They said, that's not what we want to do. We want to put money in and get more money out. So it just wasn't the right fit. I think a lot of people who watch The Dragon's Den don't fully understand that part of it, that they are business people looking to make more money. If you could go back and change your ask or tweak your presentation, would there be anything you'd change? No. Yes, there was so many preparations I wanted to make, and I thought, no, that's silly. So I really wanted to have a Snickers bar ready in case someone got grumpy. I think maybe I actually ate it when we were waiting backstage. For me, I don't think I would have changed anything, though. We just had spent the last three weeks getting our year end ready to file with CRA. And so like the numbers and all that kind of stuff, all real. Like we didn't make up a thing. We're like, this is the actual number. We knew it down to the dollar. They say in the end of the show, oh, if only they had asked for a little less money. That was a real valuation, though. Yeah, but if we had gone with a, a lower percentage instead of a true partner, instead of 30%, then they would have told us, oh, I don't think there's enough skin in the game for me. That part, I don't regret because we asked for what we wanted. We asked for what we wanted and we didn't inflate our numbers at all. $700,000 for 30%. That's what our company was actually worth. Mandy and Ryan Johnson of Sea Gods Paddleboards have been our guests on this edition of Today in BC. If you have suggestions or comments, send a voice message to podcast at blackpress.ca. You may be part of our podcast mailbag segment. You'll find Today in BC podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, YouTube, and Google podcasts. The West Coast Traveler is an adventure in itself with content created by professional journalists and amazing photos provided by our readers. WestCoastTraveler.com is the newest travel network exploring all corners of Western Canada and the U.S. You'll see stunning photos and videos, read engaging travel features from around Western Canada and the U.S., experience all the West Coast has to offer. Begin planning your next adventure. Visit WestCoastTraveler.com.